Hello, welcome to Dark Habits and a Motivar podcast. I got right for the first time in like ten recordings. You did it. Yep. We can uh, call it call it closed now. LB Andrew, thank you for your time. We're done. No. All right. um, Bye. Uh, uh, this episode is is very special. This is the first of two Richard Gear episodes for the season. And returning from uh, the last recording, returning because you have what's in the last few recordings is Joel. What do you mean? Well, you missed one. No, that's uh, true. A couple recently. I, I missed oh, seventeen. And I'm glad to have you back for Richard Gear. It won't be the same without you. Yeah. And you know, I always show up for the gear. Yeah, you get to see it in this movie too. <laughs> Gears <laughs> gear. Hey, that's that's a good one. I'm here for gear. <laughs> and the gear. <laughs> and returning are I guess my bosses at Grumpire. <laughs> cool. Slash Get to work. <laughs> it's almost done. Just give me a couple. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the stage of fixing up the most recent thing. Okay. Uh, LB and Andrew, uh, Grumpire of Grumpire.com. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> Hello. So, first off, thank you for uh, uh, coming on. Second, we're here to talk about uh, Richard again. So, mm-hmm. first off, were you excited after Breathless to dig into early Richard Gear, or were you just like, I've not, or was this like a I've heard of this movie, but I, can, I guess I can watch it now. So it came out in 1980. Here's my yes. answer. It came out in 1980 and I was like too young to even care about that sort of thing. The most rated R sort of things that I saw back then were like, Jaws wasn't rated R, but uh, Jaws and then Mad Max. I happened upon that somehow. The Deep Things like that. So, adult dramas, slight mysteries that have to do with male prostitution. No. <laughs> I didn't ever consider watching. Even in my teens, it comes on cable or whatever. It's like, eh, no. Because all I knew then of Richard Gere was... What? Pretty Webster? woman. Oh. Walking down to... <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, no Breathless. Breathless was brand new last time. And you already know how, what I think of the pants in Breathless. Yeah. Which, okay, if you haven't heard that one episode. I really like his pants, okay? I think all of us do, except Elvie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why she doesn't like them. She likes what's in them, though. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Something. They're just a little too leisure suity for my tastes. But uh, I'll say so he, he makes up... He, even though... Breathless is 83, and American Gigolo is 1980. I will say his wardrobe in American Gigolo makes up for the pants in Breathless. I don't I don't see. Leisure suit, I, I would think, has a flare at the bottom of the, the leg. They kind of did. I don't, I don't see it. Don't they're see not, it. like, fitted. They're like, they're like golf pants. What's wrong with golf pants? Okay. I'm not serious. <laughs> I don't have any dog in a golf pants hunt. Okay, so uh, the other Richard Gere movie is Unfaithful, but the mm-hmm. Sunday crew has taken over that one. Ben mm-hmm. Sunday uh, and Megan Unfaithful Sunday. is the one with uh, Diane Lane? 
I don't know. I just know it's a rock thriller, Richard Gere. Mm-hmm. That's the only okay. reason I picked it. Okay. Yeah. I've so never it's, seen it's it. It's a later Richard Gere one. Yeah. Uh, I should clarify, Ben Sunday and Megan Sunday, not related. But uh, anyway, so uh, J-Dog, had you heard of American Gigolo before? Um, I I heard of American. I don't know about this gigolo thing. Um, I've seen <laughs> yeah. this movie before, so yeah. Oh. This uh, when in your like phase of alphabet thing of like I need an A movie. No, I think it was just something that I'd always been curious about, and uh, me and the ex watched it one day together. We were both like, yeah, that was a movie. <clears throat> You feel the same way? Not to spoil. Ah, do I feel the same way? Yeah. In, if anything, I, well, I, like, I said that was a movie, but, like, I liked it. I liked it Mm -hmm. fine. But I liked it less this time, so, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah. This is my first Paul Schrader movie directed, maybe I should clarify. Mm -hmm. I've seen movies he's written. And... I would say I like two thirds, and in the last third, it kind of morphs into something. It's something different that I'm still trying to figure out if I like it or not. That's interesting because the most of the um, most of our peers that I've heard talking about this film is uh, they don't like it up until the third act, where it turns into. Uh, kind of film noir type of uh, mystery, <laughs> oh, like that kind of thing. Like, um, would... so that's that's really interesting to me that you say that like you're not sure if you like the third act. Do you like the the setup? Uh yes, I like because it feels like breathless. It feels like it's Richard Gere kind of being an asshole, <laughs> and like in L.A. in the early '80s, and I there's something about that I just find enjoyable. He's real uh-huh. charismatic. I like the, the supporting crew. I like that there's it, it's a hangout movie until mm-hmm. it becomes like a noir, which mm-hmm. it's been brought before. Noir isn't something I really like that much. Uh, I have yet to see a noir that blows my mind. Hmm. Okay. So you like the the day in the life of our gigolo friend? Yeah aspect well uh lb andrew what about you got you guys did first off do you remember how you first heard about this movie it feels like it's just been in the cultural yeah, zeitgeist forever you know yes, like i never fair. this is my first time watching it too yeah um because i mean why would i have watched it <laughs> like honestly but um uh i like this movie actually I'm really kind of surprised at how much I like this movie. And I do like the, um, like you said, the just kind of, we're just kind of hanging out with, uh, Richard Gere's character. What's his name? Uh, Julian K. Julian, yes, yes. We're just hanging out for, with Julian for most of the, the runtime. And, uh, his character is so interesting to me because he's, 
he's like a molded man like he who knows what his actual backstory is like where he came from what his family's like like who knows but he either made the decision to become a gigolo or it's kind of like he doesn't have anything else to do in life or anywhere else to go and well that's hey, the claim in the movie where right he, says he doesn't have he doesn't know what else to do like he doesn't have any other right talents. and he you know hooked up with uh these pimps you know especially the the lady pimp who uh taught him everything he knows like it's it's really interesting to me how someone can be um molded into that lifestyle and uh you know like as if it is a profession i mean it is a profession right but um <laughs> i guess i guess like that's what people are really really talking about when they say grooming um but well he's been commodified and yeah he's an adult so he's like in his late 20s at the time i guess as a character yeah, he's, so he's um, well. This was this was 1980. He was actually like 22, really, because people are older in the 80s. Oh. That well, you know that that whole phenomena where like in the past people looked older when they're younger. Still, that's a an, an informed adult. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is not <laughs> sure. quite groomed. Now, sure. if it was like a 16 year old, 15 year old, um, you could make that argument about actual being groomed but like uh, Mm -hmm. manipulated definitely yeah i would say but he's commodified and he buys that and he flips both ways but he doesn't like doing gay for pay um but it actually doesn't seem like he likes doing any of it except what he does like is being kept Mm -hmm. yeah something stuck out to me i'll uh, was um because uh, I know uh Schrader did blue collar a few years before this. It's yeah. about labor and unions and watches like it's it's another movie about labor where like <clears throat> uh, Julian K is basically a blue collar worker in a white collar mm-hmm. profession, and it's just about mm-hmm. and, like it turns out it turns into him just being a cog in the machine for these people right. around him. And nobody's on his side. Like, no one's willing to uh, help him out when he needs it the most. Because all he ever was, was this commodity. Uh, uh, J-Dog, thoughts on the labor commodity uh, angle? You know, it's pretty funny. I, I, I can't really... I mean, that's... Everything you guys have said about that is, I definitely agree about. Um, one of the things that happens in the movie that I think kind of shows that and is probably incredibly relatable to anybody who is a worker is when he's in trouble, you know, he, he first he goes to the, the woman uh, who was, he worked for for a while. And she's like, you know, I, you come to me, ask me for help, but when I ask you to do something, you don't do it. It's like, uh, we're talking about life and death versus, I don't know, disrespect. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes to, to uh, what's his name? Uh, what's that Bill actor's Duke. Name? Bill yeah, Duke. when he goes to Bill Duke. With hair. He gets the exact same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you come to me, you want me to do you a favor and stuff like that, but you won't, you just won't do this job? Seriously. It's kind of 
I don't know. They're like, I've been working for this company for, for 10 years, and I've got this surgery coming up. I'm like, well, you know, it's not really our responsibility, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Feeling... <laughs> Yeah, that that that's on your time. Even though, even though, spoiler alert, he went and did a job for Bill Duke, yeah. and it was a super kink job, and it looks like he was framed from the get go about yeah. murdering a woman, whom mm-hmm. he was told to smack around and whatever, um, and he didn't want to do that. You can see that he didn't want to. They don't even show it. That's what's interesting about that. They don't show. Did you think uh, Paul Schrader might do that? Uh, Here's my question about Paul Schrader. Um, What kind of research or life has he led that would put, before he writes any of these things, that would would give him insight into these kinds of stories? Allegedly, for Taxi Driver, he's told different versions of the story over the years. Uh, the Jodie Foster character is based off a uh, sex worker he picked up or interviewed. Yeah. It's kind of unclear. He doesn't give much details of if he was soliciting he, services. He used to be picked up, and then as he got older, it became interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and supposedly before he even got like moved to. New York, I think, is where all this writing and stuff took place. He he basically lived movie lists. Like, he didn't know anything about that. Like, everything else he would have learned from television, if they had it, and books I don't and think stuff. he was allowed. Well, uh, well, that's based off the... Uh, what is that book that's kind of bullshit uh, about easy writers, Raging Bulls? That's really? it. Yeah. Yes, but uh, but the Paul Schrader section says uh, gets into like he was raised hardcore Protestant Calvinist, and he mm. he wasn't allowed to watch movies, and I think TV was also not allowed, and he'd be beaten if he was caught listening to radio, oh, like wow. listening to music mm. allegedly. Wow. Is and... that the top forty I hear in there, Paul? Get <laughs> out here! <laughs> so and he's. Then, he started gravitating towards pornography. Uh, but, the seedy yeah. side of life, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, look, PKs, preacher's kids, tend to be um, demons. Uh, I've known a few, and uh, they are raised within uh, churchy confines and a stricter way, at least mm-hmm. how they're surrounded by, but their parents tend to actually be a lot more lax on them. And that mm-hmm. lax gives them some sort of wiggle room to be really vile uh drug dealers and whatever and yeah. uh you're like but aren't you a preacher's kid they're like yeah and then they laugh it off yeah they tend to go the opposite for a while anyway yeah i feel like i've heard so many stories of like yeah but when i was in high school i bought drugs off the preacher's kid yep <laughs> like that's just a thing <laughs> yeah this is unrelated but my my uh, a few years ago, before my grandma died, uh, my dad was visiting. He has seven siblings, and a bunch of them were, were over. And my grandma was considering taking medicinal marijuana to help with their appetite. And she asked everyone, "Well, have you tried marijuana before?" And everyone except for my my one uncle, who used to sell weed and grow weed in that house, 
said yes. And he and my uncle who used who used to deal weed said, I would never smoke that. That that was illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone uh, said to him like uh, later like, what the fuck? You used to grow weed here. What are you talking about? Mom, are you a cop? You have to tell me you're a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the the point is Schrader probably just like dipped into the seedy side of life. Yeah, probably. Went on a rumspringer or something. I mean, he's going to New York when porno theaters were right. around. Right, mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. pick up a Jodie Foster on every street corner. Like, you know. Interview them. <laughs> Interview them. I don't want to get sued by Paul Schrader. I feel like if if any famous person could hear could find out about something like this, I think he would find out. No, oh, whatever. <laughs> well, I find it. I find his work very interesting. He's like one of my favorite Scorsese movies he wrote, um, which is Bringing Out the Dead. Um, I, I love it. Some, we know someone who's in the movie. We do. Oh. Nicholas Cage. In Tumay. In Tumay. Oh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Does he play Nicolas Cage? Uh, I've never seen a movie, so I don't know. Oh my god, it's really great. It's like it's like it's like uh, an echo in a strange way, an echo of um, uh, After Hours, but After Hours doesn't have the velocity, um, the pace. Is a a not funny After Hours? Right. It's kind of funny. It's manic. It's, it's, it's really a, dark. Very... It has some quiet moments, but it's a really dark film um, because the dude's on speed the whole time trying to uh, stay awake to um, drive his ambulance around and helping people. And they're pushing him. It's another labor film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But it, it, I say it's an echo. It's like uh, After Hours is kind of quiet and strange and has this... Uh, almost languid pace at certain point, points um, but it's also still strange and weird things are happening has its little crescendos throughout the film but uh, almost all of bringing out the dead is crescendos <laughs> there are some quiet moments but when it crescendos it's like really big really mm. good uh, and it's full of awesome uh, supporting uh, I, I, it's, it's almost 20, 20 minutes in but um uh, J Dog, what is American Gigolo about? For in case no one's seen it, it's about this guy who's American <laughs> and okay. he the sleeps Higolo. with women for large amounts of money, usually older women. That's he says in the movie he prefers that, and um, like uh, yeah. So we follow him around and his weird non like he he doesn't have any real relationships with anybody like we don't see uh, him being friendly you know he's kind of sarcastic he's kind of an ass to almost everybody he talks to and except for when he's working when he's working he is like charm incarnate yeah he sees something he wants which is kind of the catalyst of you know well the first catalyst is when he takes that job that turns out to be a kink job and he is pissed about that and then the second catalyst is when he sees a woman in a room and he goes and you know she she's speaking french and he comes over and he's he's kind of charmed and then he realizes oh actually this is not a 
the kind of person I'm looking for. And it turns out because it's kind of like, not only is he charmed, he's, he's attracted and it's kind of like, you can't cross. I feel like he feels he can't really cross that line. See, the dogs agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of, so from there, you know, him doing, hanging out with other women, uh, the other relationships going on. And then this woman who turns out to be Senator's wife, (laughs) he's having an affair with. And then all of a sudden he's reading the paper. He sees that that person he did the rough trick with, the lady died and it's a murder so from there you can probably guess how it goes turns out he was actually the president's daughter and uh he had to learn how to become a nuclear scientist in order to invent a jetpack that could go to atlantis oh, i know yeah. it sounds crazy but it's yeah. true I, yeah you misgendered him oh, i apologize President's son. Sorry. Um, I thought you were talking about the Atlantis people. Oh, no. (laughs) I said him, not them. Uh, Yeah, that was the really... That was the part that everybody likes, it seems. (laughs) That last last third. (laughs) The whole Atlantis uh, rocket pack thing. It's just such a a twist. I don't know. Like, what what are you talking about? Where are we going? No, but really, he gets framed for murder. Of course, that's why all the film bros like that part. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) once the whole murder framing thing happens, like, first I'm with it. If I I can go into my opinion on that. No, you can't. Uh, Not allowed yet. Okay, sorry. No, you can. Oh, thanks. (laughs) First, I'm with it. And, you know, it's kind of like mixing in his life and him feeling a little paranoid, but also things seem to be matching up and aiming towards him in a way that eventually, you you know, at first the car is coming around the the cliff and you kind of see the lights, but by the time he realizes how much in trouble he is, he's already in the brights. Like he's about to get hit by this car that is the entire case. Well, he plays it really loose with with Hector Elizondo. Hector Elizondo. The cop. The man who... He's so much fun in this. The man who grew hair somehow after this movie. (laughs) Because I I really had never seen him bald in a role until I saw this movie. Yes, but but they play play a cat and mouse dialogue-wise. And he's really casual with them. He's like bulletproof until he realizes... Wait, this is a, a very sticky frame-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, El- Elizondo's doing a, a Columbo. You know, he's kind of letting him, like, get himself palling around. You know, he even at one point goes, "Just one last thing, or one last question." When he's like leaving a room, <laughs> like, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> and he lo- he looks like a, like a cartoon character because like the the balding haircut and the big cigar and just the way he talks. There's a cigar in his mouth. It's it. It's very like Looney Tunes esque at points, mm-hmm. and he keeps going. I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, that's a Looney Tunes reference. Oh my God! Can you imagine? <laughs> yes, I can. Actually, I am that's so why I just said it. Ancient. <laughs> 
Yeah, I well, recently, back during the war, everybody knew Albuquerque <laughs> was the place people got lost. No, I don't know. It's <laughs> always asked, turning left. Should have turned <laughs> left at Albuquerque. I recently asked my my partner. She's a little a few years younger than me. Like, if she grew up watching Looney Tunes on TV, because I was I know it's not on like uh, basic cable like it used to be, and she did. It wasn't like, but like some of the censored stuff. Some of the stuff that I saw was censored by the time she was watching it. So like she didn't I saw have Speedy Gonzalez. I think she did, but she didn't have the, oh. the Confederate Bugs Bunny uh, shorts. Oh, man. She didn't have the Black Maiden Tom and Jerry, which I grew up with. And yeah, I'm same. okay with it. I'm not. It's racist. <laughs> um, Mexicans down here, or Mexicans in general, like Speedy Gonzalez, it seems. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> like there, there are a lot like, of like stereotypical things that my my family and my dad especially is just like that's hilarious <laughs> but like even though we find it funny we still know it's racist <laughs> well like love, down here i, I mean, love foghorn leghorn <laughs> we're we're down in in uh, old mexico like northern mexico aka south texas yep so that's why I say that, because you, you do end up seeing or hearing about stuff where they're like, yeah, totally. Like, oh, yeah. Gonzalez. What about Slowpoke Rodriguez? Is he so that much. okay? Okay. I don't, <laughs> that's a bit too much. <laughs> All right. Get that name out your mouth. I mean, I've met a Slowpoke Rodriguez in my real life. You know, somebody that's like, Orale, Joel. I'm coming to visit your father. Just wanted to let. Can you tell him for me, please? That may sound racist, but I'm half Mexican, so I get away with it half the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. You really shouldn't, Andrew. <laughs> but I like doing voices. But I'm glad he you did it. That's uh, uh... okay. Can Can you do some fog over my nose first? I said. I said. That's all I can do, actually. <laughs> I think Elvie should, because she's a southerner here. Well, Elvie, please. She is. Well, well I, I was born in Florida, so any... That's not the south. That's not... Yeah. yeah. Well, Florida's kind of different. Like, that's somehow lower than the south. I don't know how. But... <laughs> I, was like, bo- like... I was born in northern Florida, though. Oh, oh the swampy oh. part? So you're, yes. Oh, you're, you're practically like D.C. royalty. <laughs> Thank you. If only I had the, the bankroll for that. Elby, do you have a foghorn leghorn, or are you are you okay? <laughs> um, I don't know. What is he? You just kind of did it, Elby. I said, I said, I said. No, I don't know. That's exactly did. what I did. Yeah, I know. That's my doing. impression. That's that's uh, my culture. You're making fun of that here, son. I don't wanna. I don't just... wanna see no giant roosters in this area. <laughs> you just gotta do um <laughs> the Daniel Craig character from the Knives Out movies. Yeah, whatever, uh, whatever. What about when when Foghorn Leghorn dresses as a beatnik? Remember that? I haven't seen that in so long. Wow, you just blew my mind. (laughs) Anyway, Uh. yeah, back to American Dragolo. So, Joel, what Mm. do you not like? I guess you got into it. Like, so the end section kind of loses you. 
Well, here's here's the thing. Um, I, I I've like formulated this whole like idea in my mind of what Paul Schrader was like vibing mm-hmm. off of. Like I'm sure he did. He talked to people in like business and and stuff like that. But like you know, I made that Columbo reference. Well, mm-hmm. he definitely could have seen Columbo at that point. I believe um, he was making movies, so yeah, he yeah. he was allowed to watch TV. Right, I think. <laughs> I mean, like, whenever Colombo came out. Yeah, that was in the 70s. It was a play Early, early 70s, that. all throughout uh, the 70s into the 80s. So. I have to yeah. see what, The 1920s. <laughs> the, so, I think he went to college in the late 60s. I'm not sure. Mm. He was born in 1946. So. I say that I was born in 1946. No, um, He's from Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what else did Paul see? Um for the end parts of this movie. A couple of Gene uh, Hackman movies. Yeah. And if you know if you know what I mean, and it, well, I'll just say it if you if you don't know what I mean. I'm talking about he, he definitely watched um oh, damn it, what's it called? The The Conversation. Oh right? yeah. Par- yes, paranoid thriller to the max. Mm-hmm. Ripping apart his apartment and all that stuff like that. And no saxophone he, this time. That is true. That's the one thing this movie is missing. And Otherwise, no, it'd be a masterpiece. Yeah, no, no praying. I think he like prays a rosary or something. His yeah. character is really Catholic. That's hard. That's stuff I remember. In the in the conversation. Yeah, in the conversation. Because yeah. remember, part John, uh, the guy who who did like five movies and died. He like mm-hmm. he says fuck around and he's like, hey, hey, I'm Catholic. Don't swear. Yeah. No, I mean, if you've seen the movie, that he gets broken so far is that yeah. that he finally takes the one you know one of the things that we've seen several times in the movie religious thing and and he has to he's just not sure anymore uh yeah that's that's about all i'll say um and when it comes to like the car scene where he's you know in richard gear's looking for any evidence because like he's pretty sure somebody had been in his apartment or somebody had done something he sees a blonde guy walking away and uh He's ripping apart his car. Well, like we could say that's the conversation because that's once again paranoid. But there's a scene in the French Connection where they meticulously take apart a car looking for, um, I can't remember what it is, drugs or gold or something, or money, money. Mm-hmm. So they like that's why I liked it less this time. Like the. I only saw this a couple of years ago. Too, so it seemed more I, referential to you than actually like original. It seemed mm. more like parts of another thing, right? And it's not not just takes away. You know, I, I like Quentin Tarantino movies, and if I'd seen um, more stuff back before I started watching his things, I would have been like, "Huh, right. oh, I like what you're doing. This is kind of derivative." You know, <laughs> so. It's okay, but like I also don't like the story change. Like I am more interested in the conflict between his work and becoming a person who can be in a relationship, like right. actually love somebody and have feelings and stuff. Okay, so it derails. That's, that's the thriller aspect. Derails the more interesting, true to life aspect. Uh, okay. Yes. I love the part where Lauren Hutton's character is telling him, I don't want to have sex with you because it is, it is, you go to work. This, when, when I we fuck. I can't please you. Yeah. 
because that's his job so like how can he separate you know actually making love with someone to you know what he's been trained to do to please a woman you know so like he can't have pleasure therefore how can she have pleasure um knowing that uh what is going on is is true and real you know his satisfaction comes from doing his job in a way that is it even his satisfaction though right because he's he's in a relationship now for the first time so far as we know um and it's kind of like it's happened to be a relationship even though he's trying to approach it as if it's uh work right but it's it happens to be a relationship but that's when she uh figures that out that he's he's really good at his job but she's she she can't work on that level yeah there's no work once she points it out to him, I feel like that's when he starts to realize, because I do think he gets job satisfaction, the way he talks about mm-hmm. it, like older women mm-hmm. and, and yeah. appreciation okay, sure, yeah. and stuff like that. And like he appreciates his skill. Mm-hmm. And when she points that out, that's when he starts to realize like, oh, I don't think I really know. Like, I know how to make yeah, it that's seem when intimate. That's when he says that's the only thing he can do, knows how to do right. Mm-hmm. she's like you're wrong and it's like no seriously i don't even know how to read i i just i hold up books mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, like... i was thinking about uh from what i've seen in documentaries and stuff like this where uh adult performers say that they have vanilla sex lives off camera because on camera everything's all exciting and gonzo and whatever this guy is kind of operating the same way, except he's always on, but not intimate. And, and the intimacy would be like vanilla's good, vanilla's fine. Yeah. If I if I may get a little too personal, apologies what? to my mother who listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, I I used to have a dis. Like a basically a dis uh, what's the word of like disassociative kind mm-hmm. of like issue, um, and that came from like body shame and stuff like that, which is so I kind of related to that because like I I like being physical with my partner, but uh, at a certain point I realized like I feel like a different person, and that's actually not good because <laughs> it's me. I should be. Mm-hmm. Everything should be the experience of me and not just like a switch I flipped in my head where I'm like, hey, everything's fine. I don't have to worry about it. Like, uh, so it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying that that part was kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of struck a, a little nerve on me. Like, hey, what the hell? I'm a gigolo. No, wait, that's not, <laughs> um, that's not what I meant. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question for, uh, well, I guess everyone, but I feel like LB would have the most uh, relevant answer. Wait, why? Because she's a woman? It's about Richard Gere, and, like, does he, like, oh, uh, like, is he sexy in this to you? Do you like, like, is, like, the fashion angle, like, the, like, the, uh, 
the performance aspect of like is that sexy um it is and it isn't at the same time like he i i don't typically go for like flashy men and that's his entire persona um his clothes look good on him i mean i mentioned that before i mean he does look really great in this movie and he's he's uh tailored um this style um but it's like it's all status symbol stuff you know he drives the mercedes he um has these suits i I love the scene actually where he's picking out his suits and he's like um very carefully choosing which tie should go with which suit that he has i gotta say those ties i don't like ties but those ties are all pretty good yeah they they seem rather contemporary Yeah, yeah yeah and i was surprised at how um in fashion they seem to have been mm-hmm. like currently like this is 1980 to 2003 <laughs> but it, yeah like his style is is really cool but like there's there's something that is not attractive about it and that is the um falseness that goes with mm-hmm. his his lifestyle mm-hmm. um you know it's <sighs> he wants everyone to know that he's a cool dude it in appearance wise he is but we we all know that like on the inside he's a broken man right or he Hmm. just like is hollow um he's invisible he's kevin bacon actually (laughs) oh oh hollow man super super weird i like that movie but it's it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) hey well they in both movies you see uh their gear as it were yeah 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 andrew wasn't even watching that part i was like hey you need to rewind it and see this (laughs) and then i did and i was like oh okay (laughs) he's naked standing by the window (laughs) well andrew that's actually pretty daring no 1980 that's pretty daring because all throughout the 70s you do have uh bearded ladies running around Mm -hmm. and you don't have a lot of twig and two veg <laughs> sure no uh, and, by, not... uh, and then richard gears just standing there and there's his wedding tackle yeah so well, well andrew uh was this a signal for you to buy like some nice suits and ties oh no okay i, I oh, can't no. do that although no. LB, lb did say i can see you looking pretty good in clothes like that however you don't wear clothes like that it's not my preferred style for a man, but if if um uh if you were to wear it, I think you would look pretty good. I I I like the um button up shirt with rolled up sleeves thing. I like that a lot. But um, what else was I? I was going to say something else. Oh, I know. So uh, we were talking about how much this movie reminds us of American Psycho. Yep, I was just thinking that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like, um, it, it's... Andrew, I think you, you were saying that you have a problem with American Psycho because you think it's um, so fakey to the, the time period, but then you watch this movie and you're like, oh, wait a minute, it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, there's this kind of cinematography that. that goes on in... in, in um, it's actually much later style cinematography because it's set in, like, 1989. So when I saw it in 2000, whenever that was, I was like, eh, this cinematography looks like crap. I don't like how it looks. Like, 
as far as that goes. But then I'm always like, if a movie is a period piece, like um, Licorice Pizza, it's shot in the way that it was shot. Would be it would have been shot in 1977 or so, uh, with maybe even a better cinematographer than you would have back then. But it's shot and edited and cut that way and treated as a final product how it would have been treated in the 70s. And then I realized that American Psycho, set in 89 or 88, looks like pretty much the same crew that shot Poltergeist 3 shot it. (laughs) Similar, boring, kind of bland, kind of shallow cinematography. And then it's a better movie to me because it looks like it was a period piece shot in that style from that period. Interesting. I've never seen American Psycho. I read, I, I read half the book before yeah. I couldn't anymore. Cause I hate how it's written. Understand. Have it. It's, it's pretty gross. It's, I mean, it's just, it's so hyper detailed with everything. It's like, I want a goddamn story. I don't want every little thing explained in, in, in detail like this. It's, it's like it, for me, like reading, reading a um, a, a dictionary. <laughs> hmm. I have the same problem with um with, with Alita. It's like this is reading a dictionary. This is so fucking boring. <laughs> oh. Is Alita a good book? Cause like I, I couldn't I couldn't read it. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I tried watching the movie uh, American Psycho, but I was like, I hate that book so much. I could I couldn't make it through like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well it's vastly different because they can't do they can't shoot what they describe what he describes yeah. in the book you just can't I'd hope not <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't think a, a single rat was featured in the film hmm. anyway yeah alright so uh... okay so the Okay, so th- there's something with this movie that I haven't seen a lot of people get into. I did like late, like last few season, like last season and a half or so. I've been doing like less research in terms of reviews, unless it's something mm-hmm. I really need to to break down and be able to actually talk about. Mm-hmm. But from the little stuff I came across, I didn't find much stuff about the racial angle of um, the death of the Bill, Bill Duke, Duke character. And how it revolve, resolves into, well, you're not going to be tried for the murder of a black man. He was a pimp after all. You're getting tried for the murder of this white woman. <laughs> well, the, the maid saw him. Yeah, the maid you know. did see him. She, she, yeah, there was oh, a witness of him trying to save him. Because okay. he's like, what, don't fall! Don't fall! And then the boots. <laughs> and then he falls, you know. Okay, it's, so, it just felt like... I, I, it just felt like... Not 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 ignorant, but just felt like I don't know. Maybe maybe explore this angle a little bit more. No, was, you're I, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the, the, co- the the cops are really dismissive. Like, oh, don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> like um. So yeah, I mean, it does it does like um. You think that they would investigate at least a little bit more. <laughs> what happened on that balcony? But 
Yeah, is this really like, come on. Like I and Paul Schrader is not ignorant to racial issues. He made Blue mm-hmm. Collar. Blue Collar yeah. I haven't seen, but I know like that movie is very much about race and what it means mm-hmm. to be black and and in blue collar. Yeah. And this is like you you should know better than this, Paul. Right, and it's Richard Pryor, so you know that's blue collar. Um Yeah. And I don't think Bill Duke would have written off on this if he just seems to be like a guy that'd be like, no. If if he felt like it misrepresented something. Because he's a playing a pimp. He's playing a bad guy. Yeah. I mean it this is also been... early early in his career before he's established too. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I mean, he has hair, which was like... <laughs> yeah, it's super weird, <laughs> super <laughs> weird. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying this disparagingly. He is a strange-looking man, anyway. He's a very character actor kind of <laughs> face, and without hair is how we've always seen him. Mm-hmm. And and then with hair, it's just like <laughs> it looks who? amazing. No, I'm joking. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, you have it's a stunner. You have Bill Duke's face. <laughs> yeah, and like seeing him next to uh well uh Richard Gears like around average height, not six foot, but Bill Duke is like noticeably just towers over him. Yeah. And you don't see many shots of them like side by side. No, you have until to have uh, the the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> until you get to the end um where like you know something will go down and you see the shot of this Bill Duke looking down because he's just so much bigger than um uh, uh, Richard Gear. Yeah, he's always been. That's kind of the thing. Like, even yeah, you know, not talking height wise. Like, Bill Duke's character has always had this con- kind of control over him. Like you were talking about, we don't really know, you know, what his life was like beforehand. He's purposely mm-hmm. like says like I didn't exist until that was this, and when he's desperate at the end, you know, begging him to, or asking him why he would set him up and, and begging for the help by saying like, I'll do tricks again. I mm-hmm. will, you know, I'll do F stuff again. Mm-hmm. You can say gay and stuff. Yeah. No, well, it's that's a, not what he says in the movie. So no, that's true. It's an F stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 80s movie. They use different yeah. The word gay doesn't exist. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, I, I once again have formulated this kind of story idea in my in my mind. Like if he was somebody who who ended up not knowing what to do with his life, maybe younger, like seventeen or just eighteen, and he ends up getting picked up by either the 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 woman that he goes and sees on occasion or Bill Duke. And I think it's more likely to be Bill Duke's character because. At that time, he could be like, well, you, I'm going to help you out. You're going to have to help me out and mm-hmm. have him do these kind of jobs until somebody, you know, kind of rescues him. Because that's not what he wanted, apparently, to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes, every once in a while, he goes back and does things. But he's grows this line where he know he can't, he knows he can do it because of the amount of, or the kind of clientele he's working with at that point. You can't tell me to go do the kind of job I don't want to do because I'm incredibly important to the people that mm-hmm. I'm already working for. Right. I, in, 
I'm going to say real sex work. And when I mean real, mm-hmm. I mean like in real life sex work, mm-hmm. especially of the, the bygone eras. <laughs> um, you can't be a free agent, you know, like he, no. you, it's like your entire thing is based upon loyalty. And that's what these, these pimps are going after is like putting pressure on him to remain loyal. Um, <laughs> like you, there's no independence you know like uh, sex workers today of course you know they're online they can be their own bosses whatever but like um that's so i think maybe we forget like how dangerous of a world this like is representing you know like it's interesting also that it's a, a male-centered danger uh-huh. because typically prostitute stories or prostitution stories that we have from Hollywood are female-centric. Mm-hmm. And now it's a man in that position. Gender flip before gender flip was uh, po- popular. You know? And like, uh, going back to the first season of Kurosawa, there's a whole subgenre of like the classic Japanese film era that is as prostitution stories that are not moralistic they're just very matter of fact in terms of this life is rough and it will probably end in tragedy because society sees you as a commodity to be Mm. used and abused that's that's japanese cinema right they even yeah they still have that message pretty much a message of kind of bleak yeah uh okay so the the actress who was Anne, the the other pimp, the non mm-hmm. one who Madam. was not Bill Duke, mm-hmm. Madam. There we go. I should know that because I love the Simpsons. And there's that famous episode with the Madam and the Bordello in Springfield. <laughs> That's where the gif of Grandpa walking in and walking out comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. He takes off his hat and turns around. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. okay. The, the actress uh, Nina Nina Van. Uh, Pellant, she was in the um, Altman movie Quintet. That's one of the. That's a snow one. It's a science fiction movie. Yes, it's dystopian. Yeah, it's strange. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I like Quintet's it. Quintet's a game, right? Yes. Game that that's they play. A, sort of, I guess. I know. <laughs> Two people who love it and a lot of people who hate who really hate it. I'm I'm in the middle, but uh, yeah. Anyway, she's in that movie. Paul Newman bothered. is the main star, yes. right? Yeah, Paul Newman and um, the Spanish actor uh, Fernando Rey is in it too. Hmm. She's in the long goodbye. Oh, okay. And who cares about that shit? She's in the Sword and the Sorcerer. I was gonna add <laughs> <Yeah>. that too. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. a Jack Palance one. No, no. Jack Palance oh. is in Hawk the Slayer. Yeah. Oh, that came out in 1980. Uh, this is one's... that your suggestion? <laughs> no, Joel's gonna pick that. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I gotta look. For, I gotta look up a clip of that music again to throw in that an episode.
Yeah, I guess go through your old podcast and find it. Oh boy. Yeah, okay, so, uh, is that out of the way? Uh, so the, the look of the movie, the cinematography, well, no, first I want to get into the script. I like how vulgar and graphic the dialogue was that was a gratuitous or, um, it's juvenile. just matter of fact. Yeah, it's like it's kind of, it's matter of fact and poetic, like it's 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 a cliche to say, it's like a haiku, but like it really did feel like a haiku a lot of times whenever they whenever people were were talking. At least to me, it felt like that. Well, the the acting in this uh, it goes along with speaking the lines of the script. The acting in this doesn't feel too performed, mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually feel like they're doing cinema verite type of, you know. The British kitchen scene, or the, the Cassavetti style, let the cameras roll and the little Mad Lib and all. But it all seems rather natural, and so nothing that any of the characters are saying seems out of place. It doesn't seem false, and that the caliber of actors that they have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm quickly uh, because I never did before, but I'm quickly becoming more. I don't. I want to say a fan because I'm not a fan of anything. Fanatic, right? Uh, but I'll use the term anyway. A fan of Richard Gere. Yeah. He's, I mean, I've seen some stuff before that I liked, but like his older stuff, the stuff that I haven't seen at all, the dude's solid. He's got the, that reputation because of his work. I mm-hmm. don't know where the gerbil comes from. That's a stupid reputation. <laughs> but. He worked I, with some really great people too. I, I think mean, that gerbil thing is from jealousy, honestly. Probably, but like this Paul Schrader, obviously he worked with Terrence Malick. You know, like there's there's stuff to to dive into. Richard Gere, Kurosawa, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. People need to respect. <laughs> yeah, I I, I haven't yeah. seen much later like hollywood era richard gear like it, post still... hollywood you should watch the hunting party oh yeah okay. that's good that is it's good amazing it's like got so... jesse eisenberg and um what's it, what's his name uh Rhodes from iron man one oh uh so oh my god terrence, terrence howard yeah terrence howard howard yeah that's the part i forgot you know, Richard Gere is teaming up with Paul Schrader again. It's oh. been announced they're making a new movie together, and it's going to be about a film director who spills all of his secrets. Ooh. Yeah. So, oh. I'm, I'm excited for that, actually. Schrader's, Schrader's mouthpiece is Richard Gere. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping it was going to be a sequel to First Reformed. Second Reformed? Just, <laughs> Second. It's just right there. Second, third. It's gonna be Julian then, Kay, but he's forty years older. Yeah. Then they do oh. third reform Tokyo Drift. <laughs> and introduce Han, the best character in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Then they kill him off. Yeah. Oh, but then he's I back. Did they? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the recent ones. If I don't see it opening weekend, it's not worth it. I have to see it packed no, crowd. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, uh, I watch it. I watch it on TV. It doesn't oh, uh, work on TV. 
It's, it's, it's it's just get a friend to come over and it'll be fine. No, I need a pack theater of, of people who unironically know every detail of the story. I need to hear uh-huh. them talk about, like, well, that's my intro character. You won't do that. And that <laughs> that's the. F- it's a blast. These movies are fun. Uh, yeah, they are fun, but on TV, it's just like. It's kind of. No, that's how work. I rediscovered them. I missed I missed them because I, I missed the first one. I wasn't really into Paul Walker, and then the second one, I was just annoyed at Devin Aoki, because uh, she looks like a weird little alien um, in that era. She doesn't anymore, I don't think. Um, and then, like, Tokyo Drift, I caught on TV, and I was like, holy crap, Tokyo Drift is great. And then uh, LV was like, yeah, the first one's pretty good. So I was like, okay, let's watch them. And then we watched them all up mm-hmm. until that time it was i think it was mm-hmm. four right before four so we watched the first three again and then four came out in the cinema and we we're like let's go so we've been on board since then mm-hmm. tv's fine it's fine it really is most mm-hmm. movies it is but certain movies i have to see like it just doesn't work on tv it has to be theater is your tv I... a little tiny shoebox size yes no i saw this <laughs> it was when i at, at old job uh, someone had a massive TV in like the common room. They're watching Fast Seven, and it just didn't hit. It was just when you're watching it on a on TV, it's like it's it's not loud enough. It's not the room is too too <laughs> I bright. Think you should it doesn't just work. Maybe turn it up though. <laughs> I couldn't turn it up because uh, it, oh. people would complain. Okay, kick them out okay. and then watch it loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back to. Uh, the dialogue thing. <laughs> There's one okay, line. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, what was matter. that um, first reformed Tokyo Drift? Or third reformed Tokyo Drift. Yeah. That's how we got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But, uh, yeah, there's a line that, that Bill Duke says in his first, uh, I think his first scene where it's just so cool and, like, it's kind of hilarious to me where he's like, dip in the pool, a little tennis. And orgasm, and it's just like <laughs> it's so stupid, but it totally works in this context. I think it should be tennis, then pool, and then orgasm. I think that, I mean, that's usually that's how it better. Works. I think that's better. Like as far as a pleasurable mm. afternoon, I get an orgasm whenever I can. You know, just so. <laughs> okay. Out of order. <laughs> you mean you're you're you're, you're gonna, pool, as they say on the internet, you're tennis. gonna nut then play tennis? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll be you'll be like too tired or or dopey or whatever. Hey, we it's don't we don't know his. Processes. I mean, I mean, just human phys- physiology is all. You're right. I, sh- I should just edge and then go play tennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you discover Sorry, a kink, though. <laughs> or you need tennis. What do we mean by tennis? No, what, 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 if you, what if you discover a new kink where you need tennis? Oh, oh, gee. Uh, Dallas makes sex so, so complicated. I can't get off until I play a couple of rounds. <laughs> that still works how Elby said it. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, before the pool. I mean, I guess you don't yeah. sully the pool. 
That's true. But okay, so I was talking about that. <laughs> um, but sorry, just like it's beautiful, like, Spencer. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, but uh, also there's this. Uh, there's a part. I think it's when towards the end during the confrontation with Bill Duke, he's like sits down in a chair, but he's clearly too tall for a chair, and so he looks like a rag doll sitting in a chair. <laughs> That's me. That's you. Yeah, I'm six four. Yeah, I drape all over everything when I sit. Mm-hmm. Well, lucky you. What? <laughs> you want to be 6'4 and have joint problems all your life? N- not really, no. <laughs> exactly. Lucky me. <laughs> so, uh, another movie came to mind when we were talking about this. It's a movie that Joel and I love. I don't know if you two love. It's... Uh, it has a reputation for being so bad it's good, but it's legitimately oh. fascinating. Uh, Showgirls. I oh my, you know, oh. I unironically was gonna. Uh, no, I was ironically gonna say Showgirls to you. Yeah. Um. Why? Why do you mention Showgirls though? Uh, why does like, that come to mind he, because of this? Uh the the as the whole aspect of this person kind of. We, we they, this person just kind of shows up in the story out of nowhere. We don't know their backstory. We, we get like maybe like a line that hints at their backstory, and that's about it. Like the sleazy angle of things, how they're in a system where they're being used and abused. How about throw in Breathless, the intro to Breathless, not the not the accident part or whatever, the killing part. <laughs> The killing part, not that part, but the intro where he just shows up in town with showgirls, oh, yeah. where she just shows up, you know, because she's just—that's how it is. She, she's just on her way to Vegas. And breathless, yeah. he's on his way away from Vegas. That is true. So that's that's to me a bit interesting coincidence, but um, yeah. I guess the but, sex work angle. Yeah. Cause I do like Showgirls a lot. I, it's it, it's Paul Verhoeven. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's if you don't like it, it's fascinating because that dude is a fascinating artist. You've only seen it once, Obi. Yeah, and I'm weirdly indifferent to it. Like interesting. I mean, there's there's um crazy things about it, you know, whatever. But I don't know. I just Berkeley's not a good actor. No. Uh, I mean that's a big yeah. point. She's not, yeah. Verhoeven acting is very particular, and she doesn't <laughs> really fit that. I think I liked Gina Gershon in it. I don't. Yeah, I she's much more solid. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I don't know. Being a Twin Peaks guy, mm-hmm. when I'm seeing that ridiculous pool scene. Yeah. <laughs> With Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. And Kyle's just like, I'm trying to break my roles out of TV. And oh, th- I don't know if you should have done that, Kyle. Cause <laughs> you don't like his hair and his, uh, I think, no. he eyeliner? In no. The movie too. <laughs> it, was, it was like the year later he did the Flintstones or something. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? It's the same eye makeup in that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, Joel, am I crazy? Do you see a, a loose connection to Showgirls? Um, 
I'll tell you what, I've seen Showgirls one and a half times, and I can barely remember it. Oh. Which is weird, because I remember liking it, like you said. Ah. Oh, well. Okay. That's, yeah, it's fine. Good That's an odd so. link, and it just might be you, sir. <laughs> I won't get the Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray, apparently the first, the people who do the extra stuff are like, this is so stupid, it's great, kind of attitude. And it's like, oh, I don't like just... when people are like that. It's annoying. Just, just like something. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Alright, so the, the cinematography and American Gigolo really, like, I, I, I realized it was some Sanchalo. What's that word? Noir. I thought it really was noir it, when you get to his apartment scenes and you mm-hmm. get the shadow. That's what. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> not in a bad way. I was like, oh, I'm, you... in, I'm enjoying a noir for the first time. I think. Ah. Uh, oh wow. What did you expect it to be? Um, all I knew is if people compare it to cruising. The feature oh, movie. Oh, I, no, I get it. The reason why they compare it to cruising is because of the gay bar scene. Yeah. The gay club. And when he goes is. through and he talks to Duke on the stairs, like I said. The single time. Yeah. But that camera does just push through the entire club. You talk about stereotypes. The gay yeah. club is... But was it? They literally <laughs> well, have 1980 like for, people. For, yeah, well, first of all, it's called Probe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Club Probe. And you know, that a reason that doesn't make any sense? <laughs> Club Goatsy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a bad one. <laughs> Club Rosebud. <laughs> Pink Sock. Oh, oh my god. Uh, but, yeah, like, good lord, it's like, ju- exactly, you said it the was, It was Tom of just, Finland. It's fully Tom represented. of Finland. Yeah, leather daddy, cowboy, construction workers. Yeah, like, it was the entire group of YMCA, Sans, Native Indian, American, Indian, and, yeah. yeah, Sans Indian and uh, military guy. Uh, Everybody else was represented, and like everyone dancing, you know the the nun of the church dance walking around being like, <laughs> oh, save some room for Jesus there, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's like they're all dancing apart. Nobody's like holding each other or anything like mm-hmm. that. I do kind of like that scene, though, because it's just like, hey, look at all those dudes having a good time. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's just dancing. It, it didn't fun. have, like, a cruising vibe of, like, if you move the camera 15 degrees to the left, you'd see someone getting a hand job. It felt, mm-hmm. like, kind of tame. Yeah, right. Kind of the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a sense in every movie, though. Kind Jurassic of. Park, you know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's you know how Spielberg always has this scene where like they're just standing there and like literally two feet off of camera there's a giant dinosaur facing them they're facing the dinosaur but then it pops into the camera frame and then they act like they don't see it or mm-hmm. they didn't see it and then whoa we're surprised yeah um uh, you brought a whole new image to mind there you tilt the camera there's a you know, a dinosaur getting a know. hand job. Yeah, exactly. A clay foot job. Cleoka. <laughs> How you say that word? 
based on everything. The vision is based on movement. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still the same effect. You, ah! you know, once it reaches camera. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but like the cinematography in this, like with the colors being like super loud, like you get a lot of blue and gray. It's like over, like overwhelming scenes when he meets Michelle for the first time. It's all in red. Do you, do you get the symbolism? Red's horny color. <laughs> and, and it's also kind of, to me, because of this Christian upbringing, I would assume this is like temptation. Uh, yeah, it's hell. horny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah red, red is uh, the excitement color. Red is for anger and sex. Red means stop. And, mm-hmm. and hump at the stop sign. Like. Get it on. Get ang- scream angrily at the person next to you in the on the road while you're getting a beach or something. Yeah, at the stop sign, like, etc. Sure. What were we talking about? Now? Colors. Talking about colors. 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 How, colors. 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 Like colors. How, like everything that was red, but must have been touched by a ghost. Now we're talking about colors, iced tea. Just, I just like how, like how grotesquely like red, like the red, how how the red is, red is that scene. How like it's like super blue in some scenes, and it's it's very moody and very like uh, it's very showoffy, but I I like that about it. I have no complaints. Okay. Not, uh, it didn't strike me as anything in particular. Like I was, I was just kind of watching it. I don't know. It, there, there were things about like editing wise that bothered mm-hmm. me. Like there, some of the ways that scenes were cut into other scenes, like time jumps and and oh. stuff like that. I was. I don't know. For some reason, it felt sloppy to me in some cases. Not not like in a this movie is ruined kind of way or anything like that. Just um, I don't know. See, so yeah, and I can't even like pinpoint a thing. It's just like a feeling I had. Are you talking about like uh, the the end where there it seems like there's like five epilogues? Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, <laughs> fade, the king. It fades out and then like mm-hmm. six times. Oh. Yeah, a couple of like fade outs. Like, oh wait, is this a TV? Mo- oh, no, 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 I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, so what's the whole politician conspiracy thing? Mm-hmm. Frame getting mm-hmm. framed for murder. Like it felt like, uh, it felt like weak the Palma. Because <laughs> like blow up, no, that's a shitty movie. Blow out. That's a good one. What's blow the John Travolta one? Yeah, blow out. out. Yeah, yeah. I felt that like blowout, but a couple years before blowout, pretty sure. But um, motherfucker talking shit about blow up. It's Antonioni. <laughs> it's garbage. I know you hate it. I don't like it either. All right, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I I like it because it's 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 about nothing. <laughs> But it, do I you mean, like Napoleon Dynamite? Once again, it's about nothing. Do I like mm-hmm. Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, it's about nothing. Mm. 
I mean, it made me laugh back in the day. I haven't seen it in a long time. So, yeah. Yes, you do. So, okay. It tracks. You like nothing. Well, I don't uh... <laughs> Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, big Seinfeld fan. No, I'm not. Actually. You're not? Hmm. I just, I'm fine with Seinfeld. So you like nothing? <laughs> I like... <laughs> I like. I'm not Alpha saying Slayer. you don't like anything. I'm saying you do like nothing. What's nothing? The blow up. Exactly. Blow up. <laughs> Everything is nothing. Yeah, I mean, blow up has stuff in it. There's that scene where he like gets that huge propeller. Yeah. There's that scene where he takes a picture of something. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Is it scene where he? I think uh, manipulates two young women into sleeping with him mm-hmm. with the promise of modeling. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And is Jane it, Birkin's is it a Me Too movie? movie? That's about mm-hmm. it. I think Jane Birkin's one of those The Terry Richardson movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gross. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> the character's a scumbag. I don't understand why that is so. Like, he, he's never like, oh, that's a nice guy. Like, just because he's the protagonist. It'd be interesting if the movie did anything interesting. <laughs> what does it do? It's Antonioni. It's just like, let's just put the camera down and stand I still. I live in that time period, so maybe that's what's so interesting to me. Just like seeing clothing and. and attitudes and buildings and uh nothing i really like nothing you're right i, don't like, <laughs> I like when argentari made it as deep red with the same actor mm. because deep red is actually interesting no minus the questionable dog thing in certain cuts of the movie i don't that like parts... deep red. okay <laughs> uh we're after Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it end like the diploma thriller angle, sort of thriller noir angle thing. So, like, I, I like this movie overall. It's just like the end, the multiple endings, and then it's evolving into. I'm not evolving into like I, I, I know I get like why the power of love saves the day, sort I mean, of. It's mm-hmm. goddamn. It feels so milk toast. Yeah, I think that's it. It's just like this movie is kind of ed- like edgy and sleazy and interesting. And it's like, oh, but he found love in one woman. Like, okay, that's it. And uh, then he goes on to make um, Pretty Woman. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, it's the same movie without the what? noir twist. Without Julia Roberts, come on. Yeah, but like, do you guys do you guys like the end where it's like it's the power of love that redeems him? I guess. Um, I like that he is given the opportunity to change his life, and if that is through love, then fine. But um, schmaltz factor. It is pretty schmaltzy i would say that like yeah it's kind of almost embarrassingly so you know what you know what stranger life is stranger than than fiction i used to be a male prostitute before i met lb and the power of love saved me is that true no that that why your voice cracked yes no i i yeah no yes Hmm. 
pick an answer. <laughs> Seventeen. Well, um, it seems like it kind of got wrapped up quickly too. Is, is that is well, thing. it's competing against it's two different types of stories competing uh-huh. against each other for attention, and you spent most of the time on the character work of the character needing to find the love angle and all that stuff. And then you got the quicker, shorter story of the thriller. Mm-hmm. And then wrapped up with the love thing. Oh, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Love saves the day. <laughs> Remember what That's we were true. doing the first two parts of the movie. <laughs> love Yo, saves the day. Like yeah. I, I, This is going back to the Spike Lee season. It feels like either take out half an hour or add half an hour. For it to yeah, work I would think the add yeah. a half an hour so that you can yeah. have more of the cop interaction and the clearing his name, mm-hmm. and at the same time of clearing his name, have the support of the woman who loves him, and more exploration of that, a little bit more insecurity on his part, and him realizing he doesn't have to keep doing what he did. Right this kind of life is dangerous for anybody who's involved. I think... I, I wonder what Mr. Mister Schrager... Because um, mm-hmm. he wrote this also, right? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he wrote it. Uh, is he the only uh, writer listed on this? Only credited writer, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I he was friends with all kinds of people, so... I'm sure mm-hmm. people that. touched it up. But my thing... My question is, like, he doesn't seem interested... Basically, once once the once Richard Gear is in custody, mm-hmm. he loses interest, and that's why it gets wrapped up so fast. And like, I don't want to see the trial. You know, I'm not interested in the court proceedings. Uh, I am kind of interested in like what living in uh, prison in that case was like. But that almost feels like he'd have to make another movie. Mm-hmm. You know character grows in some way or something like that so that's i mean the rushed ending like five endings all rushed slapped together i it's if he was under a studio i we like that must have been like a studio note but i wonder if it would have benefited more with uh having um lauren hutton do more deliberating like should i or shouldn't i be his alibi yeah, you know, it's yeah. instead of following him through prison and the 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 order part of Law and Order, you know, like, <laughs> um, just have it focus more on her and um her struggle and yeah. de- dealing with her husband and like scandal and all this stuff. Yeah, that's that's another interesting story. Like, what is going on? Because you know the whole senator thing. Spencer, you're saying it's not mm-hmm. fleshed out. It's it's it was like just that tenti- blackmail angle, and mm-hmm. he didn't even try to blackmail, but he no. was, and he just saw that the guy was willing to pay, so he picked a low number. And like it's it's hinted at just enough where you're like, no, I need more details than this. Like this, it doesn't work. At least for me, it doesn't work. Right. And who was the person that set up the murder in the begin with? Like, we know that Bill, Bill Duke, like, was setting up the murder, but why and who? It all <laughs> came because that, that blonde boy 
mm-hmm. had a trick after um, after Richard Gere, like a day or two after, and he took he's the one who committed the murder. Took oh right, right, right. So, he actually accidentally killed her. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't a hit. Right, right. right. You're right. You're right. That's okay. when the frame up starts. Yeah. Yeah, but really, why pick him? Is it just to get rid of him because he's he's saying no to them too much? No, it's. I mean, he just happened to be that? there. He says it. Yeah, he's like, because it was easy or what? I I don't remember what he says. He says like, like he says you were frameable. And yeah, that's yeah. the one. You were the most frameable. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's enough of a nobody in in the grand scheme of things. It's like yeah, you can just blame him. Like no one will come to pat for him. Except for, you know, but he luckily found he he found love and that changed everything. But you know, like I don't think they knew that. They just were like, "Well, this guy kind of like this guy's good. He's good at making money for me, but also, you know, he's he's a nobody. No one cares." But uh, yeah, like uh, I am more. Uh, we can talk about the nude scene, but because we didn't we get kinda to it yet. We kind of did, but like, uh, what more do you want to talk about? You want to talk about his tallywhacker? Uh, I, well, in terms I, I enjoy an actor with a perfectly normal-sized tallywhacker instead of one of those no. scary ones. <laughs> no, no, not like Kevin Bacon. Like Kevin Bacon, right. No, no, I, I wanted to get into the context of it versus the context of the nude scene in Breathless, where in mm. Breathless, it's light and fun and... It's very like matter of fact, and it's like he's just being a, a goofball taking a shower, and in this one it's like I try to, you know, I you can get you can get up a high school girl real easy, but or an older woman, it took me three hours to get her to orgasm. That that was worth it. Like he's going to serious monologue, making fun of it, but like it's just the context of the nudity there is like, did it have to be there? But also the movie's right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like there, there are parts <laughs> of this movie where it's like it's a little too serious. And like in that that scene for me went along too long, and it's like this is a little too serious. Like I need something to. <laughs> <laughs> That's the realism, Spencer. I know. Yeah, I was I was looking up the um, cast when this was happening, and then mm-hmm. LB's like Andrew. <laughs> like oh okay and I rewind and I'm like oh all right that's it he's just standing there like looking I mean, out the window being you guys don't like you know soliloquize is that a word yeah soliloquize by the by window. the window naked nude not since I moved to the first floor mm. uh, no I I'll no? walk around my apartment naked but I won't like have an intense conversation with my partner about stuff. <laughs> I'm a never nude. Like, I just... Oh. Yeah, I can't. So can't you just it. run around with a shirt on? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm da- Socks. I'm, uh, Donald Duck in it everywhere. Just, just yeah. socks. Look like a giant toddler. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, Sometimes in Mickey Mouse, it, that, that's a lot better. People are okay with that, except for the huge white gloves. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, it's how, it's weird know. Weird getting two white gloves on that thing <laughs> One per ball 
jazz hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's still minstrelism or whatever. Oh, so man. It's, you know, yeah. it's really inappropriate. <laughs> that's where the gloves come from. Mm-hmm. Oh, golly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, golly, Wog. If you don't know what that is, if you're listening, don't look it up. It'll ruin your day, probably. Bamboozled. Yes, the fuck bamboozled. Anyway. Yeah, the... Was this... I think this was the first Hollywood movie with male nudity. Really? I'm pretty sure. Really? A frontal. What? Really? It was a Maybe, like, deliberate? Maybe, like, deliberate, right? Because there yeah, had to have been, like, other didn't, things. Didn't Caligula come out the same year? Yeah, but shower, that's an independent. But Hollywood? That's not Hollywood, yeah. Oh, okay. I think I Bob like Bricione, it. Yeah. Okay, there's that scene in, um, oh, what's, damn it, what's that? Superman? Movie? <laughs> yes, there's a scene in Superman where Marlon Brando's like, my son, look upon Krypton. Uh Sound, sound more like Trump. Um, well, that's funny. I, I was going to make a joke, but I, I'll go with that. But I was trying to think of the John Wayne movie that got remade by the Coen Brothers. True Grit. True Grit. Yeah, True Grit. There's a part where that uh, guy falls in. He's you know gets bit by a snake, and John Wayne's like, "I'll show you a snake." <laughs> <laughs> All right, that bit by a snake on his crotch. Mm-hmm. You have to Dying suck out the venom. <laughs> I would never do that. You're dead. Because, like, there's 1900, the De Niro movie. Yeah. But De Niro, that's not a Hollywood movie either. Uh, You see see De Niro full frontal. Sergio Leone. It's No, 1900 is um, is, uh, uh, Berlucci. Berlucci? Yeah. It's four hours long. It's Berlucci. Yeah, I know. It's a super long movie. Five hours long? John Berenthal is playing... Julian Kay and the yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Megan Sunday nice. reviewed it for school. She, she hated it. Oh, damn. I like That's John all I know. I guess he's good, but her review is pretty savage. She oh, yeah, you're it. right. I think John Barenthal looks like Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> As a man. Sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and yeah, I don't think there's. I can't really think of any other big, like Hollywood movies with nudity, with male nudity. There's got to be some uh, locker scene or something somewhere. Yeah, but like I know. Is, th- when does an officer and a gentleman come out? A couple years after this. Okay, no. It, it's all Richard Gear. Richard Gere's like <laughs> the first naked man, the constant like naked man up until his like forties. Wait, isn't there that scene in the general where Buster Keaton is just <laughs> hang a dong for some reason? <laughs> like the yeah, South will rise again. Buster Keaton has BDE, I will say. Okay, he does. Okay. I mean, to say it, I did. No, you said you will say. <laughs> oh, Buster Keaton has BDE. Okay, there you go. Nice. I mean, to pull off the stunts he did and be like, oh, I broke my neck, who cares? Yeah, that's... that's not, not, not every man can do that. Anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah, that's it for American American Gigolo, I guess. It's, we didn't talk about the music at all. Oh, yeah, I have a note for that. I completely forgot. 
you you talk about the music. Well, uh, when it started, Andrew just goes disco. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I realized that Blondie plays disco. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, duh. But, you know, Blondie gets lumped into, like, punk, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, obviously they're a disco band. But, like, yeah, uh, I didn't know that Call Me was written for this movie by Giorgio Moroder. Giorgio, is that his name? I yeah. can never, I can never say it correctly. Maroder. I know Maroder, but for some reason I can't say the first name right. I don't know, but um, it's it's such a good theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I like... they, they they reprise it constantly. They get the remixes throughout, and it's great. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them are like, I hope this turns into Call Me, and then it does, and it does, and it does. <laughs> <laughs> You're mm-hmm. like, wait, wait, wait! This whole score is "Call Me." Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know that either about Blondie doing the, that song as uh, specifically for this, for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. Man, yeah George like Moroder. Hey, like learning uh, like uh, that the the Titanic song was for uh, that Die Part movie. Nine. Uh, uh, right. uh, yes. uh, Nine to five. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, the other no, uh, the other Dolly Parton movie. No. Uh, Best Little Warehouse in Texas. Yes, that's oh. I mean, that, wasn't that a musical before? Also, no. Well, oh, that's mind. true. It was a musical. Okay. I guess they wrote that song for the musical, which is what they usually do in musicals. Right. Yeah. 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 Slim version. Uh, the first Hollywood movie mm-hmm. with full frontal male nudity was yes. in 1969, a movie called Women in Love that actually won an Oscar. Oh, oh that is that? No, which is that's, uh, that's Ken Russell. Oh, that's uh, uh yeah, yeah, I, that's um, the maniac guy that people like. Yep. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Alan Bates. No, the guy who's like who's an asshole on set and people love him. Oh, he's oh, into devils. Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed. That, yeah, that guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Somebody once told me I look like Oliver Reed, and I was like, that's incredibly flattering, because I think I look like a flat tire with a beard. Oh. No, you don't. You look like a full tire with a beard. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, it's odd, it, though, because yes. uh, Oliver Reed has a mustache. Not a beard. Do you guys think that Paul Schrader has the same type of film bro cult following as say Scorsese or no. Christopher Nolan I don't um, I don't think that he has a little bit of that so overlap because, sure but like like his writing and stuff he wrote for Scorsese a, a bunch of times like he's friends with all the film bro well, Scorsese mm-hmm. so like I, there has to be some carryover but he's not that mainstream either right he has like, yeah, like maybe once a decade a mainstream crossover. They're like, um, I mean, so uh, so many dudes love First Reformed, and like, and it's a good movie. But uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> like it, it just seems to me like there is 
it's a smaller scale, but I think there is a cult of Paul Schrader. Um, well, LB, how many of oh. them have seen the canyons and like it or champion the canyons? Yeah, exactly. All, right? Ex- exactly. Um, people do not like the canyons. I mean, it's um, not a good movie, LB. It's a bad movie. <laughs> With a bad person in it. Yeah. Allegedly a bad person. Yeah, but also him trying to. Like, I don't get this, and I've heard this about other directors, female directors doing nude scenes with their their uh, stars and Schrader did this too where he's like okay 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 in order for you Starlet to do the nude scene I'll get naked too to make you feel to make you feel more comfortable comfortable. Uh, yeah sure uh, that's 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 gonna make everybody feel uncomfortable and I've heard female directors I forget who it was recently so I won't name her say something similar that she got naked. I was reading some trivia thing that she got naked while those two actors did their scene too, just to make everybody comfortable. Hmm. Okay, that doesn't sound. This doesn't sound like it works. Yeah. Doesn't sound right. You can just be a chill dude like David Lynch and just, you know, kind of you know be a person about it. Not make mm-hmm. it weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saying like, I, but that know. was in that was in the canyons where he did that with uh, Lindsay Lohan because she was like. Yeah, I'll do it. No, I won't. And then he yeah. did that. Do you yeah. consider Clockwork Orange to be a Holly or a mainstream movie? Oh, no, it no. isn't, is it? It's um, Kubrick hmm. did it himself, right? Yeah. This was po- this, he left Hollywood over that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he filmed everything in the UK by then, so I don't. Money was coming from probably UK people. Studios, well, uh, yeah, but like that doesn't necessarily mean it's not. I mean, if you started specifically Hollywood, one hundred percent American made, mm-hmm. then the uh, first male nudity was in the general. I bring that up again just because you know yeah, there's I, that I, whole I, like scene with the big logs. Guess what? <laughs> there's a big log. Yeah, uh, I, I guess Clock of Orange kind of counts. Well, it's it's Warner Brothers U.S. and Columbia Warner U.K. But it's Polaris Productions and Hawk Films, whoever they are. So they're in an independent film company, and then distribution was major. You know, speaking of that, so there's um, Paul Schrader is kind of infamous, infamous, infamous for posting on Facebook a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, There's uh, there's a Twitter account that posts screenshots of what he says on Facebook. there was something that I was I read earlier. He was criticizing the Oscars for being too international. That they should go back to just being like Hollywood awards. Mm-hmm. So, like you guys talking about whether or not Clockwork Orange is a Hollywood movie is is kind of interesting. Um, that I read that. Um, so I I don't know. Is it like is it just because? You know, it's it's financed by some major studio. It doesn't matter it what country. No, he produced or... the Clockwork Orange himself. He produced and wrote and directed it, or wrote the adaptation. He did all of that himself. That was his own production company money. Whatever. Okay. So it was just a distribution deal that was one hmm. or Columbia. Yeah, I mean that gets into the problem of like a movie like Z, the '60s movie that won an Oscar for Best Foreign Film for Algeria, but the director is a Greek dude. 
where you've met trying to be he's not Algerian, but considered an African film by the mm. Academy. Right. Which gets into like the yeah. So well, it gets weird. Don't the foreign countries like have to nominate their own movie like like um like Algeria would have had to um, sign off on it. S- send it yeah. to the Academy to in order to be considered for a nomination. Yeah, and like the it's some government maybe government body maybe not picks like the uh um to, like will not narrow down what what the picks are. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, get, I don't know. It would determine nationality of like a production is sometimes it is sometimes like like the movie you see where it's like I don't really know. It's a little questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, this uh, yeah, American Gigolo is available. May watch a TV series. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this game picked up for a second season or not, but it's there's a TV series now, and the movie is streaming in a bunch of places. It's not going away, so. It's cheap. The Blu-ray is cheap on Amazon, by the way. I bought a bundle of um, the recent release of Breathless mm-hmm. with uh, American Gigolo. Like, you know. Um, an add-on. It, an add-on, yes, yes. And it was, um, it was like, I don't know, less than 30 bucks together. Yeah, so. because, because Breathless is like $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> it's a re-release right from yeah vinegar, vinegar which syndrome, it, so. well well it's not it's a partner label like vinegar oh. syndrome was selling it but yeah, um, who was it partner then um you had to ask didn't you it's not altered innocence uh, no that's not no, no, it, no it's no, too no. normal for one of their movies why seriously had to ask like i can't I I have the I have the Blu-ray literally like ten feet away from me. But I don't. So I know. Elby. I know. So does Elby, I know. By the way, she's sitting on the couch it's and it's on the other side of the me. couch, and she's not gonna get it. Well, my headphones, man. Well, we're on topic of Vinegar Syndrome partners, one of their partners is releasing an African movie on Blu-ray later this year, I think in the fall. Oh, which African uh, it's, movie? It's the one that hit. Uh, not can. Um. What is it called? The Utah Film Festival? Sundance. 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 <laughs> uh, the director, he did a segment in Juju Stories. Uh, I had to look up the name of this person. I can't remember. Fun City Blu-ray. Well, that's what I was going to say, but I wasn't sure. Okay. okay. Breathless. It's, uh, CJ, Thank you. Uh, CJ Abasi. His movie, Mama Wata. Uh, that hit Sundance. It's a black and white. Um, I think it's based off uh, folk tales from uh, West Africa, and it's like Mama Wata is, if I remember correctly, a water goddess mm-hmm. who's sometimes portrayed as a mermaid. Mommy Wata. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm glad an African movie is getting a Blu-ray release, not by Criterion or um, right. uh, Kino, because usually they're the only ones who do it. Yeah, so that's yeah. it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, you're uh, right. Mark. Yeah, the, the cult cinema uh, sphere is not always welcoming to African movies. So, yeah, that is cool. 
Yeah, I hope it means more. Because I, I like cult movies because I like you know, I'm not in, I, I I like a lot of stuff, but I find the the society I guess of cult movie fandom is very irritating because it's like <laughs> hey man the warriors like yeah yeah i know you, you can talk about other stuff besides walter hill sometimes <laughs> <laughs> no you can't it's okay to explore different options besides like what tarantino likes it, it's totally fine <laughs> and i'm not saying they're bad movies this is like it's kind of like with horror i kind of step yeah. away from horror fandom mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. You well, guys talk about the, general. talk about the same yeah. shit all the time, and and they complain, <sighs> and he's like, "Well, no one talks about this stuff." Like, yeah, because you're talking about Friday Thirteenth every week. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, LB and I did uh, various podcasts. We had one called Vincent Price's Laugh, which you can probably still find and be embarrassed on our behalf about uh, yeah. because we were younger and uh, more green doing that show. Um, we tried to bring some good stuff to it, like essays and stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Um, that w- that really got us disliking a lot of the horror fandom, just by digging in and doing a horror show, horror themed. And then I was always trying to bring weird crap to the front. Uh, with what if we just watch? I would have guests or LB on every once in a while. LB's never a guest. She was a fill in, and she was good at filling. But I'm I'm friend of the show. Friend of the show. There you go. Um, but it was always about bringing the strange stuff forward. Uh, and then I hear film bros pop up going like, Oh, have you seen Freaked? Alex Winter's Freaked. And I'm like, yes, I have. Like, I just did a show about it a year ago. And they blow up. My show's crickets. But it sounds great. Their show sounds like static. Ah, drives anyway. me nuts. Where it gives a claim. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I just find at, at this point I find film society community kind of a little boring, and mm-hmm. I, that's why kind of like on Twitter I've really stepped away from talking about movies nearly as much. That's why you see a lot more me referencing. I think you should leave a lot more and bird <laughs> stuff in wrestling because like. <laughs> I, I like movies, but sometimes like movies, movies are overrated. Yeah. Uh, bird, birds are cool. They have the same conversations over and over. Constantly. God. Especially if there's a date associated with like a movie, like Friday the 13th, or Halloween, or, or Cupid, Valentine's Day, whatever. Stupid stuff. Always. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to watch all 30. It, everything is always movies. underrated. Yeah. Always. It's just like pet peeve. It's my trigger word. Underrated. It's your safe word. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'll cut that out, Andrew. If you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. No, yeah, I'll just on. change it. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Nineteen eighty. Um. Nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, I'll I'll stick with two. One is Personal Problems by Bill Gunn. I don't know if it's streaming, but that's the Bill Gunn movie that was lost for how many years? Like 35 years or so? And it's basically a three-hour soap opera about a family, but it's Bill Gunn who did Gunn and Hess, so it's not 
uh, not a quote unquote normal movie. Two hours and uh, forty five minutes. Yeah. And uh, it's it's Bill Gunn. If you've seen Godron Hess, you know, like tonally, uh, character wise, like plot plot wise, what it will be. But uh, I I love this movie a lot, and the Blu-ray is available, and I highly recommend getting the Blu-ray because before that, it was like it aired on uh, public access in New York City, like during the year nineteen eighty three or some shit like that. And that was it for a very long time. And uh, got restored, thank God. So, uh, Bill Gunn's first movie, Stop, which is about uh, couples who are, I think they're swingers, and they, I think, like, I have the movie, but I haven't watched it in a while. But, like, I think the two men hook up, and, and WB were like, whoa, 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 Bill, this is too gay. And Bill was like, well, I am gay, I want to see this. And then they were like, well, we're not going to promote your movie, we're going to hide your movie forever. But it's out there. It's just it, if you look for stop. But uh, yeah. So, no, I, so I'm uh, not so sure I'd be into a meta soap opera if it doesn't um, live a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> well, That's if a you like Fast that. and Furious reference, everybody. All you snobs out there. Because <laughs> yeah. that's so, uh, turned into a meta soap opera. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fast, and, Fast and Furious series is really underrated. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Personal Problems is great. Um, that, so, almost all the Bill Gunn director movies are um, available. Well, the th- stop is available if you know where to look. Uh, it's not good quality if you find it. And WB still wants to hide it, unfortunately. But it's out there if you look for it. But yeah, Personal Problems, Blu-ray, Get it? Other movie. Everyone knows I love Shirley Duvall. The best Shirley Duvall movie came out in 1980. The Not Shining? The Shining? The no. Popeye. Yes, Popeye is uh, wonderful. It's Shirley Duvall at her best. It's Altman at his best. I love everything about Popeye. Um, it's a per- To me, it's a perfect film. And... Yeah, that's it. It's I love Popeye. It's I think uh, it's. I know some people think it's weird. I don't get it. It's like, well, you have no sense of fun if you don't like it. I don't. I don't agree with that. I have a great sense of fun. I just find okay. Altman to be laborsome. Well, yeah, Altman is Altman. <laughs> yeah. So I like see. the little song in the movie. The he little needs song. Me, he needs yeah, me, he needs I like me. that. Yeah, that's like a good that. song. It's super weird and creepy sounding, but it's also mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. There's a kaiju fight at the end. It's great. Has one of my favorite movie jokes where um when Sweet Pea shows up and there's a note where Papa reads like, uh, dear dear per whoever reads this, I am a baby and he says, Yeah, I can see you're a baby <laughs> and it makes me laugh out loud <laughs> every time. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it uh, when I was lived in Italy as a kid, and that was like it wasn't in Italian, it was English, but that was like the only time I saw it, and I was just like, "Hmm, it's Popeye." Yeah, why is he blonde? Because even Altman was like, "I don't fucking know." Let's just have Rob Owens be blonde in the movie, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's, he makes him like they do such a good 
job of realizing what a version of Popeye could actually look like. Yeah, know? yeah. No, so, I didn't um, hate it, but I mean, I, I think it was too much of a little kid to even connect to it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like one of it's those. It's kind of made yeah. for adults who used boring, to watch the cartoon when they were yeah, kids, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Boring Disney movies where it's like, this is for kids. It's like, eh, I'm going to fall asleep to this thing. It's like, yeah. okay. It's. It's a German, it's a Disney movie, but it's like Disney wanted a Disney movie, and Altman was like, "No, I'm making an Altman movie," <laughs> which I think is why it has such a weird reputation. Yeah, uh, here's Ed Beagley Jr. playing the guitar. You're gonna watch it all. <laughs> wimpy, uh, yeah. right? Uh, Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley is wimpy. Yeah, yeah, I, I was making a joke about. Yeah, Sorry. one of his, one of his actor, uh, like he, you know, he had his um, stable of actors. Thank you. That's the word I was looking. Well, for I love Paul Dooley, so I think yeah, he's really great. Paul L. Smith is Bluto. He's a big dude who always played like the big dude and everything. Oh wow! He's in Dune. Yeah, I he's guess. the good Dune, not the is it fa- uh, David Lynch is Rafa. Yeah, Fade. Sure. No, uh, he's, he's Robon the names. Beast. Sorry. Fade is... Oh, he is the Beast. You're right. Robon. Fade is Sting. The Sting. Mm-hmm. I just remember there's a... You guys a are talking fact, Dune, there's a... and you guys know things about that Dune that I love. I love that oh, Dune, that, too. That makes me feel happy. Yeah, I hope I hope um, Megan and Bo don't hear this, but I still have not started Dune. It's on the Kindle every time, like... Maybe today will be a day I start Dune. Just them, there's like, audiobooks all over the place. Just listen to it on YouTube. I'll read it yeah. to you out loud. <laughs> do the do all the voices. I feel like when I start, I'm gonna be like, "This is too much stupid words. I can't get into this." <laughs> this is the uh, the Padishah Emperor. The I don't know this one. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. I, I remember <laughs> there's a guy named Paul. There's a drug. I guess it's a drug. I don't fucking know what it is. It's cinnamon. They all have... And then stuff happens, yeah, and I've seen both movies, and I can't tell you what the plot is. This easy. stuff yeah. happens. Super easy plot. I mean, the, the the David Lynch one is easier to follow plot-wise, in my opinion. True, true. He cuts the slough. See. Yeah, okay, Paul, so... Paul L. Smith is Bluto and Popeye. Yeah. Yes. And he's in Dune, I guess. <laughs> he is. In, he's uh, yeah. Beast Raban. I believe he has zero lines, but he's there. He grimaces a lot and like snickers and goes. <laughs> he's supposed, yeah, he's supposed to be dumb. So yeah, he's good at that. That's that his character he always played. That's it. I'm done. It's 1980. Nice. <laughs> All right. On a YouTube. Okay, I'll be go. Okay, 1980. Um, well, we were talking about David Lynch. I have to mention The Elephant Man. Which uh, I just saw recently, I guess, last year. Yeah, I got it. And um, we finally watched it. Like, me for the first time? in Since the early 90s. I think it became my favorite David Lynch film. It's got a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody knows that one. Everybody knows Coal Miner's Daughter, <laughs> which is like my favorite movie ever. Um, about uh, Southern people. 
But um, the, the two real picks I have uh, first is uh, Encounter of the Spooky Kind. You <laughs> call her that word. <laughs> call her that word. Did I, 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 did I take it? Did I take it? Literally sitting on the page. No, no, please go. Really? No, well, I mean, you can you can talk more about it, but no, like, it's it's here's really the problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, go ahead, please. No, I mean, I was just gonna say it's, it's Sammo Hung versus zombies. Yeah. So I mean, what I mean, else? That's, that's about what. What I was else? Say what else can you say? It's very funny. Yeah. I love Sammo Hung. Mm-hmm. When I saw him the first time, and uh, some Jack Chan was like, "Hey, someone built like me." I feel represented. Aww. <laughs> but hey, can you move like that? Yeah. No, I can't move like him. It's amazing, huh? Just rolls Sound around. Like and he actually does roll around. It's neat that he uses he's, his yeah. physique in those moves. He's one of my favorite people just because of this the idea that, you know, fat people are lazy they're not gonna be mm-hmm. good at anything like that i'm like you fucking watch a sammo hung yeah he he's fat and yeah they make jokes about it but man you cannot deny the skills what he has with right everything basically he does right right um the last thing i mentioned is uh something andrew and i watched recently too is uh, a short film called black angel from uh, oh, Ro- roger christian the guy who directed Battlefield Earth. I, <laughs> I have that like set in my watch list on YouTube because it's just up there. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have not watched it yet. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's it's it is interesting. It's got a very good look to it, like the lenses and everything that he uses to pull focus and whatever cinematography terms. It makes the movie <laughs> short. But it makes it really beautiful looking. Very interesting. It's mm-hmm. I wish he employed all of that with Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Which he did not. <laughs> That's all for me. That's all for you. So That's I guess I'll you. I'll go and then you go last, I suppose. Uh so hmm, what do I got? I mentioned them all already, so I like Forbidden Zone. Um, there's a newer version out. It's a director's cut in which he removes the black face and adds clown face. Oh, good. And it is seamless. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it was CG or anything. Uh, so that works. That's pretty good. Um, I remember uh, reading an article about him before he could do that. Uh, that he was kind of giving his pedigree about like why it's kind of okay at the time for him to mm-hmm. do that, Richard Elfman, and mm-hmm. that uh, he went to school in like East LA or something, and predominantly a black school, and you have these two ginger Jewish kids mm-hmm. who were treated pretty much like homies to the rest of the kids, and he was on track team. He was an athlete, and he was really fast, and they're like, look at that um, epithet, epithet go, because he's also like a ginger Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. So they would just be saying, it's the 70s or, or 60s when this happened, right? 60s, I think it was. So uh, language was a lot uh, more um, cavalier, I suppose, back then. 
so like in reading that article i'm like i don't know if that still justifies it but even back then they did, just didn't care because cartoons still showed they still showed those cartoons that had the black representation like the minstrel sort of looking thing so he did that but then he decided to change it now his whole thing is clowns like you don't even know yeah richard Elfman loves clowns it's, it's like nuts how much clown he's leaned into this clown business so so will bradley like this version more uh, yeah I'm no sure i mean it's that. the same exact movie <laughs> but yeah just put a clown emoji on top of his face instead <laughs> it's better than that Elfie. but yeah yeah uh, but right. I like, I mean, I like and I dislike Forbidden Zone. It takes it takes a specific mood that I can... Uh, it is it is really weird to me that Bradley does not like it, based based solely on everything Susan Tyrell that he likes. and Hervé Villache. Like, yeah, solely on them too. Yeah, it's very strange, but like, I don't think Bradley likes Oingo Boingo that much either. Oh man, Oingo Boingo's great! Yeah. Last year, yeah. LB was all super deep into El- Oingo I get in moods. You were playing them for like four <laughs> months was. straight. I was. Interesting. Okay. Look. Uh, anyway. The other movie. Since we're all doing two. Uh, I'll, I'll go with El Disturbing Thing. Um, Humanoids from the Deep. The disturbing one of the bunch. Really. It's um, made by a lady, however. Uh, inserts, more gory and sexy inserts. I mm. guess sexy. If you consider fish men raping women on the beach, sexy. Um, those scenes were added by Corman because production value is boobs, right? Boobs are production mm-hmm. value. Yeah. Um, those scenes, well, it's actually mostly men getting absolutely obliterated and the women getting laid on that's how it looks by the end of the movie there is a a scene that's referencing alien a chest bursting scene but it's a pregnancy scene so um that spoiler um but the lady who did it tried to make it a very serious b movie like the b movie part is just overpowering the rest of the movie um, but it's very serious about uh, Native Americans versus a canning company versus racists. And the canning company sends out a scientist to check on the fish cannery. And then, uh-oh, there's these giant fish people. It's like tries to be something of value, and it ends up turning into this really messy, schlocky film that has uh, slasher elements. Like random people are just in their kitchen, and then a fish man breaks through and tries to kill them. Or and then it culminates into this big ending, like Jaws sort of thing, where instead of the shark on Fourth of July eating people on the beach, it's fishmen coming up onto the pier during a party, a big old festival for the town. And it's pretty gruesome, and bloody, and that's 1980, and it's kind of impressive as far as special effects goes. Because there's only like three suits, two special effects guys, something like that. It was a different era, different time. I like the boobs in the movie. Yeah, there's especially one lady who's 
probably got the best movie yeah. I've seen in the film. Yeah. It's okay, you can say that because LB said she liked it. <laughs> like, when we first saw the movie, we were both like, whoa, wait just, a minute, rewind. I was just giving you permission to Thank not you, feel LB. bad. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but, but it's true. When we first watched the movie, we were both like, did you see that? <laughs> it's too bad she got attacked by a fish man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been on my list for a long time, but it's just one of those like, I'll get to it eventually. Uh, anyway, so J Dog, what's up with you? You got something? Um, yeah, everything nineteen eighty ish looks pretty like well known for me for the most part. It, that sometime apparently I watched Ordinary People, although I don't remember it other than feeling devastated by it. So I did. Yeah. Cool recommendation. Yeah, I'm not, not recommend. It. I mean, it's it's an interesting movie. Like, I'll, I'll take any movie that has um, Judd, Judd Hirsch in it. Basically, like, I don't know that that actor has appealed to me ever since I was a kid watching Taxi on um, uh, Naked. Yeah, Naked Night. So you must <laughs> like the Independence Day movies. I mean, I like the first one. <laughs> oh, he's in the second one. I'll take some Judd Hirsch from the second one too. Why, not? you know, like I said. Uh, no, the the movie I I don't remember if I recommended this. I mean, we've we've covered movies from 1980 before, so it's a very good chance that I've done this. Uh, have you guys seen Somewhere in Time? I have with no. Christopher Reeve. Yeah, not for me. Yeah, maybe. Christopher Reeve. I don't no, like yes. films shot through cheesecloth. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good way of talking about the cinematography here because you know it's all stuff that's supposed to be dreamy, old timey. Like the the premise of the movie is that uh, Christopher Reeve's character falls in love with a a woman. Um, we see her as an old woman, but he he sees these old photographs and he becomes obsessed with it. And I can't Jane remember Seymour. how he comes about this, but he self-hypnotizes himself by going into a room that is decorated to look like the time period that that woman would have lived in. He's wearing clothes that are from the time period there. And when he, you know, it's like he goes to sleep and when he wakes up, he is actually in that time period. So we see him spending time romance, you know, kind of romancing the woman just living stuff like that and i'm not going to give away the ending but like it's it's a pretty nice romance it's it's lovely gives you those you know tingles in the back of your neck if you're like me and then the ending happens and just yeah um and i'm not saying yeah as in like that ruins the movie i'm saying like dear god tears (laughs) It will have you, yeah, either in tears or just going like, no, no, <laughs> which was my reaction. So I, I do recommend it. Like, uh, you should watch any Christopher Reeves movie you get on because that man was so, so talented. Like, mostly everybody sees Superman, but he had, he had the skills. Cool. That's it. Okay. Uh, well, Hawk the Slayer. 
Hawk the Slayer. Uh, well, not, like I said, I mean, the more popular movies, everybody knows about <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. fine, let's talk about Hawk the Slayer. First of all, amazing soundtrack. Like, the disco beat that they chose to have, and this is where you could insert that if you wanted to. It's just like, it, it matches the pace and pulse of the movie in a way that you're like, you can't help but feel involved. Isn't the movie slow, <laughs> or, or, though? What's that? Isn't the movie slow? Um, I mean, it's the pacing. I don't know. To me, he, like he he builds up his party, right? It's like a straight up D and D thing, and then they start going about the adventure. Uh, like it's not crawl slow. Like oh, I like <laughs> I like crawl, but from what I've seen from Hawk the Slayer, and I've only seen clips. Oh, um, Hawk himself is a charisma void. But the guy who is chewing up all the scenes is Jack Palance. And it is also kind of writing on Star Wars. Look yeah. at Jack Palance's helmet. No. It's... it. I mean, you're right. The, the <laughs> guy who plays Hawk is not interesting for the most part. But the movie... Like, it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredibly entertaining movie. And I just had a great time, like with the low budget effects and it's uh, got a ton of like pedigree british british people in it Dude oh yeah yeah max headroom the punk old mm -hmm. old video punk it's got uh snowsberries who's ever heard of a snowsberry from uh from willy wonka yep and those are two british people yep that is true i mean I, there's tons I more checked. but like <laughs> those are the british. two i recall got freddie main who was in frightmare and ben hur hmm. okay anyways like uh if you listen to please don't send me outer space we have an episode on hawk the slayer and like it was just a vibe at the end i had such a great time watching it i recommend it uh go into it blind i mean not not that like you getting spoiled is going to ruin anything i just want you to be more surprised by what you're gonna see than than um you would be if you you've seen a bunch of other stuff about it all right and i mean literally poke your eyeballs out jeez <laughs> oh, how can i watch it <laughs> yeah that's the mind blade <laughs> that's <laughs> it for this episode uh well yeah, LV Andrew, thank you for joining. Uh, LV, you, you're going to return for Best Little Whorehouse in Texas because I realized yeah. that was a musical like a yeah. few months ago. Mm -hmm. And Not Andrew, you, you don't <laughs> like nope. musicals. Nope. I, spe yeah, I specifically said only LV because I know you like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like musicals. It, it, if, you, if, you do, uh, if you do a little shop of horrors, I'll be there, but no. Okay. Yeah, but... uh. Yeah, and YouTube will be back for Think Peppy, Lucy, and Boom. Boom? No, Labyrinth of Passion. Yeah, Labyrinth Peppy of Lucy. Passion. Peppy Lucy is on movies from hell. Well, yeah. that's going to be a little while because uh, Bradley has health stuff he has to take care of yeah. right now. Get well soon, Bradley. Yeah, get well soon, Brad. Uh, I'm going to be on Hey Dan if he brings that back. <laughs> two action movies because Bradley was like, "No, I don't like action movies." <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I'm not making fun of Bradley, but like that. No, you can make fun of Bradley. <laughs> I mean, make fun of Bradley. 
<laughs> part part of his existence is to be made fun of because that's what he does to everybody else too. Yeah, because uh, I was gonna talk. But it's about all affectionate. Night. Yeah, true. yeah. For for me, it's affectionate. But uh, talking about the night comes for us and vengeance of an assassin because oh, the they're comes two. For us. Uh, they're it's both the raid people, sort of. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, and gently uh, uh, raid. And my my uh, my uh, through line is they're both pushing action genre forward, where one is really good and one is unintentionally goofy and hilarious. All right. And vengeance, vengeance of an assassin is on Tubi. It's directed by the fight choreographer of the uh, fuck what is it? Uh, Ong Bak movies. I think it was the fight choreographer directed those. But uh, yeah, and action in those are. It's real silly and trying to elevate action. It's like it doesn't really work, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. And elevated uh, action, huh? Yes. Like the raid, I feel like the raid. Yeah, it's trying. It's trying to be the raid, but it just can't. It, it just nothing works for it, which is why I find mm-hmm. it so fascinating. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I'll talk out with, with Dan. I might bring on a guest. Depending, and, can I? Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna ask. Can I? Can I plug a Grumpire thing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Please. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Well, our latest podcast that we have posted is not the usual Grumpire podcast, but an interview with filmmaker Greg Araki that um, Justin Harlan wow. did for us. So if you go to grumpire.com, you can see that um, it's it's still, you know, the newest episode on, you know, whatever podcast feed that you use. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really cool. We're doing a series. Uh, it's an ongoing series about uh, Gen X movies called Gen X Essentials. And to me, what is more Gen X essential than Greg Araki? So uh, we were very fortunate to uh, be able to host that interview with him talking about the recent reissue of the Doom Generation. So um, please go to Grumpire. Check that out. I haven't seen Game Greg or Rocky. That's what I haven't listened to. Yeah. I want one of these days I'll, I'll watch. I know Doom Generation and that's kind of the one I know of and nothing else. Well, there's a stoner one that Andrew likes yeah but that's, that's yeah. the only stuff only stuff i know about really yeah, anyway yeah. yes so uh i'll be on movies from hell with dan talking about stuff i'll be on mustachio podcastio in the vague future because scheduling with daniel takes a long time to mm-hmm. solidify <laughs> um what else was there uh yeah i, I write for grumpire on occasion I have more mm-hmm. free time now, so I have stuff that will come out in the future, hopefully. Don't make it so difficult for me, man. Okay. <laughs> and I have a blog on Japanese movies that I will update again in the future. I don't know when. And one on African history that uh, I will update in the future at some point. But I don't know when. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, LV Andrew... Besides Gregoraki, what mm. stuff do you have on going on Grumpire wise or 
We we published an article yesterday um, that uh, I co-wrote with uh, Brian Miller, and it is about our theory behind um, the combination of blockbuster movie plus B movie, which we call the Big B. Um, so we've been talking about Fast and Furious this entire podcast, yeah. <laughs> this entire episode, but we. Uh, they're tracing it that's, to that's pretty an much exam- ground zero. Is yeah. Fast and Furious one. Right. So it's like a film movement that was built post two thousands, like post nine eleven, um, where uh, the evolution of what uh, blockbuster movies were culminates into this like really over the top, like crazy cartoonish, um, big budget B movie. Uh, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it's really not. <laughs> if, if you think of it, but um, yeah, you should read that essay on uh, Grumpire, and uh, we'll probably do some more on that topic later on. Uh, I didn't see that. Anyway, uh, I'll definitely read that. Uh, Andrew, you have stuff? Uh, just always making all the artwork. For um, Grumpire, this this article that uh, Alfie referred to, I did a collage of all the, or not all of them, but most of the action movies um, mentioned, kind of like I did when we did uh, the Into Action articles. Mm-hmm. That big collage for that, um, just my own work. Uh, well, I did also back in March a movie I, that I worked on premiered at South by Southwest called Only the Good Survive. It is on the festival circuit. I don't know where. Only the Good Survive. Look it up. It's on IMDb. It's on um, Letterboxd. And look for schedules of local local um, festivals. I don't know where it's playing, but my cartooning is all over that movie. That's awesome. Congratulations. I didn't do all the animation stuff. Thank you. Oh. That was Dax Norman, but I did everything else that's cartooning. Yep. So. I hope that Only comes the us. good survive. I, okay, the synopsis <laughs> is that uh, there's a girl rescuing uh, on a rescue mission um, against an evil wealthy cult. Mm. And it, get, it gets kind of gory. Okay. Yeah, I hope silly. that comes to streaming soon. I don't know. I hope so too. Yeah, uh, and uh, that, that, that's that. Well, I know where I live. It probably will not play where I live. <laughs> uh, Joel, maybe it'll play around you because you live near the city. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you got stuff, J Dog? Uh, no. Um, I'd like to say that I I, I keep kicking around an idea because I did all those new please don't send me outer space interviews mm-hmm. with people talking about one movie and I, I freaking love it and I feel so bad that I haven't put it on the feed or published it but I you know please don't send me outer space is dead like it's not going to come back that's just the the way it is and I kind of feel weird putting that stamp on the episodes i did and it's too late to take that back but i think i need to create a feed and then just start doing 
start doing what I did with that, except not limiting myself to science fiction. So after I get all that stuff edited and decide if I want to, what a name for the new thing will be, then the project I, then can be announced. Okay. Otherwise, I keep doing things and then, you know, starting and then stopping, starting and stopping. I don't want to say for sure I could do that, mm. but I feel like I'm finally in a good enough place where I can put my stuff out there again without feeling like my friends are dead. To get too personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to dig into that. Uh, so, do you want to join me on Mustachio Podcast to talk about The King Hobbity whenever that happens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Love for, Yeah, because uh, I, I feel yep. like, uh, yeah, given how Daniel is, I don't know how, that, how, how that's going to go. I was going to say, the, didn't you have to record that twice with him, the, the other one we did? No. It just took like a year to schedule that, that oh. thing, because his his schedule's like ours, which is like kind of whenever he feels like it. But he's even more like whatever whenever he feels like it <laughs> with releasing stuff and recording. Man. So uh, yeah, Anyways, uh, uh, that's it. Uh, upcoming episodes are uh, the first Fernando Ray episode on Seven Beauties, the Leonardo Bertolini. Lena Vertmuller movie. Mm. Um, what else? Uh, upcoming ones I'm going uh, cruising the 1980 movie, and ones that are coming out uh, shortly after this are going to be um, El Sur of uh, Spanish movie from 1983, uh, the first, the Dark Habits episode, and a couple other stuff, but. Uh, and there, and there's some recordings I had to push back because this month has been kind of weird with, with recording stuff. But uh, yeah. oh, and uh, we're gonna record one on um, Uncle Boon Me, which I'm looking forward to. Isn't uh, that really long? Like that movie uh, is like five hours long. It's super slow paced, so it's maybe it feels like that <laughs> if you're not into it. It makes me cry. So mm. like I love that movie a lot, but it's also. It's not for everyone. Mm. I don't think... Uh, yeah, Andrew, I don't think you'd be into it. It's very, very slow-paced. and yeah. I would just uh, get knocked out after... If it's slow and... If it's slow and long, I'd probably get knocked out after 45 minutes. It's it's likely you might just pass out <laughs> during that. Yeah. Not, not a lot of talking, not much happens, but it's like dreamy mythology folklore story i don't mind a lot of that i mean i love the movie the bear which has no dialogue um and it's about a bear but sometimes yeah, you can take it at like 30 minute pieces at a time yeah yeah anyway the uh, uncle moon me at the end makes me cry every time it's it's a wonderful movie and yeah so i got that got that stuff coming up and uh yeah so lv andrew thanks for coming on j dog Thank you're, you. you're always cool, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to visit you in about a month from now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. Uh, if you haven't watched American Gigolo, watch early Richard Gere stuff. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>